Steve Dangle Podcast. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. S-D-P-P. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! You know, the Leafs signed some people. And Steve and Jesse are wearing the same shirt. But that's not really the top story today. The top story today is Pierre-Luc Dubois once out of Winnipeg. Again. And and you know what? Like, t- to be honest with you, sometimes signings are just signings. It's like, oh, this person signed this contract. What does it mean for the team? Blah, 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 blah. And we'll talk about Yarncroke. We'll talk about Engvall. We'll talk about what it means for the Leafs having to clear cap space. But it, it is an interesting headline that Pierre-Luc Dubois' agent says, yeah, he wants out. He's requested a trade already. And we did sort of talk about this uh, like four weeks ago. You know, they were talking about, well... How is Winnipeg going to re-sign him? What's the number going to be? He came out and said that he's not signing an extension when he's uh, due for free agency in two years. Which, to me, was the trade request. Right. Uh, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, so but, he's just saying, please trade me. Now, apparently, he wants to play for the Canadians, which is nice. But, like... <laughs> he's from Quebec. If you're, an un- if you're not an unrestricted free agent, you don't get to make that choice. Oh, yeah. No, if I'm the Jets, I go ugly route with this for sure do you really oh yeah 100 percent. no uh you you play for us or you don't play at all yeah no i definitely go that route and he's uh hoping for an offer sheet why why would the montreal canadians offer sheet pierre luc dubois this is the worst trade request i've seen in my entire life this is this is uh it's a it's a bumble like the whole thing it's just, it's just, uh, they've just from bumbled. a strategic standpoint like no one else is going to go out and get you no um, the Jets can't trade you for fair value. Remember, they no. traded Patrick Laine for you. Yeah, they're not. The, the, maybe the play here is I do want to stay in Winnipeg. I just want to squeeze them for every dollar they're worth. I don't think that's going to work. No, if I'm the Jets, sit. Sit. We'll lose some games. Fuck you. Because there are some markets who just, they simply can't allow this to happen. Like, you know, now I think we're starting to see the importance of... Columbus maybe overpaying a bit for Zach Wierenski, right? Because it was it was a statement from them. We're serious. We want people to come here. We want people to stay here. They got someone to stay, and then someone showed up. Mm-hmm. They underpaid Johnny for Trump. one, overpaid for another. Yeah, well, and and uh, Erica Branson as well. Um, but uh, you know, I meant we, Erica Branson, by the way. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah. Wierenski is that much of an overpay. Seems no, okay. eh, yeah. Um, but like we saw in Buffalo years ago where they lost Danny Breer and they lost Chris Drury. And then the Oilers offer sheeted Thomas Vanek and they put their foot down and they said, damn it. We, we don't care how much money it's for. We don't care that it's an overpayment. We are not losing Thomas Vanek. The jets, uh, can't afford to give Pierre Luc Dubois what he wants here. I think they need to go out of their way to give him exactly the opposite. Actually. It's an awkward thing because his dad coaches yeah. like a league, a level below is a, Works within the organization. It's awkward. Yeah. It's, it's awkward. Listen, it shouldn't... His tenure have, with the organization predates... Certainly. And one should not affect the other, but it's awkward. Like, my mom and I have the same employer. If I started spouting my mouth off, it would probably make things awkward for her. Yeah. Right? My, like... <laughs> the bosses at Bell are pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Marilyn. Can, can you, you speak talk to, to your, your son? son? Yeah. It would be a problem. And yeah. I think... Alanis. I, uh, I think the... Um, I think what's interesting here is that you have to look at the justification. Why? For who? Well, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, this is two seasons in a row, essentially. It feels like two seasons. Maybe it's a season and a half. Two in three? Where he has magically said, I'm leaving, or I want to go, and not really given any reason why. Well, I mean, maybe he just wants to be close to home. I mean, we've already seen that. He's from Quebec. Montreal's in Quebec. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Um, I And which, li- listen, I totally get it. I totally get it. But if I'm the Jets, I go, that's nice. And I don't give him what he wants. Mm-hmm. Especially after making it public. Yeah. I want to go to this specific team. Go fuck yourself. For, I don't have to make that happen. For Dubois, it's just an awful way to go about your business. Like, I don't, I don't understand what strategy they concocted with the agent and if they thought this would be effective. But it seems the opposite of get it, how you get what you want. If your ultimate goal is to get traded, this isn't how you go about it. So I do. Who's his agent? I I will find out. Yeah, well, um, while Adam's looking that up, like, can you imagine with how much of a stickler he was 
for every little thing. Can you imagine Mark Brisson? Pat Brisson, who is a who had a great relationship with the Canadians. Uh, he's good friends with Mark Bergevin, but no longer. Yeah. Can you imagine Mark Bergevin being like, yeah, we're going to go get Pierre-Luc Dubois after requesting two trades before 25? Mm-hmm. I can't. Well, Mark, Mark Bergevin wouldn't do that. No, I know. But uh, <laughs> like, I'm, he's, not, he's not there anymore. <laughs> but uh, like, I'm just beyond his talent, because he has some, uh, I don't understand why the Montreal Canadiens who are, you know, we, we heard about how tough they were on prospects at the um, draft combine for interviews because they have to be because it's Montreal. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois really just thinks he's going to request a trade to Montreal. It's going to go fine. Uh, he's not going to be compared to the people that Montreal gave up for the rest of his life. And he's just not going to answer any questions about it. Right. And if you're Winnipeg, you have no reason to accommodate this trade request. You're not going to get any value for PLD at the moment. So why would you ever do that? So here's you, this is a, this is a great year to take a step backwards. Yeah. You, you, you sit and we'll be in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. I just, I'm just questioning his strategic motive here. And if if he went off the the course, like if he just did this on his own, I don't know. Let me shine some light on it. I, it might be the fact that, there was he he was at the draft in Montreal a couple weeks ago yeah, because he believes wild because he believed a trade to the Habs would be completed on the draft floor. Who told according him to, that? According to Arpin Basu and Murat Atis, usually a GM can call a, a, an agent beforehand and say, "Hey, listen, there's a trade brewing. Just want to let you know." Right. Um, that can happen. I don't know if it happened here. The Canadians reportedly uh, offered three players. They have not been named. Uh, to the Jets for Dubois, but were unsuccessful. Winnipeg is holding up the deal by asking for a player that Montreal refuses to move. Also, uh, it was rumored in the 2016 draft under Mark Bergman that the Canadians had a deal in place to send PK to the Canucks, PK Subban to the Canucks, if Dubois made it to the fifth overall pick. However, the Blue Jackets picked him third. I remember that. I do remember that. Crazy. Now, so he's probably feeling like, Okay, you're holding. So, so maybe if you're, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go PLD on this one. I'm gonna be side of PLD. You thought the trade was gonna happen. You're under the impression it was gonna happen, and the team that you don't want to play for, that you already sort of have a sour relationship with anyway, um, uh, is holding it up because they want a player that Montreal will not give them. So maybe he's trying to push this through. Like, I'm not gonna play for you. And again, it goes back to Steve. What did you start this conversation saying? If you're Winnipeg, what do you do? You cannot accommodate uh, Dubois at all. You have to just let him sit or play for you. Is that what I said? Yeah, basically. You got to play tough. You got to play tough. Because the other thing, too, is you got to, with Winnipeg, this is a smaller market club in the Mm -hmm. NHL. And Mm -hmm. they don't spend like it. They don't act like it because they have an owner who's like on the top uh, 50 billionaires in the world list. Uh, it's one of the richest families in our country and one of the richest families in the world. They can light tens of millions of dollars on fire. They don't care. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of reasons to own an NHL franchise. Um, and they are fantastic owners and it's a fantastic fan base. But the reality is they're not a huge money-making club, right? If they don't play hardball with this guy, who is a mid-level player at best at the moment. Mid-level. He's good. He's a second, third-line center, right? He's, I'd say he's at his best, he's a second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If they don't play hardball with him, what do you do with, with actual stars? Right. Right. Who are extremely difficult in the Winnipeg dressing room. Like, we know that Blake Wheeler's not the easiest guy. He said as much. We know that Mark Scheifele's not the easiest guy. Look at what he said at the end of the press conference. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Or end of year press conference. Pierre-Luc Dubois, before he's turned 25, or maybe he's 25, has found a way to be the second most, or sorry, the most difficult player in a trade involving Patrick Lynette. Like, are you serious, bro? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And Winnipeg again, the Patrick Liney thing. What someday somebody's gonna have to come on and explain that. What the hell happened there? Well, and and like he didn't follow. Uh, he didn't file salary arbitration. Sounds like things are going well. He was sorry. I'm talking about Liney here. Yeah, uh, neither of them did actually, but um, for probably different reasons. Like Liney uh, seems to think the negotiations are going well. Dubois he was pleased with uh, the Johnny Goudreau acquisition. Uh, Dubois is hoping to get offer sheeted and it's just not going to happen. Well, and then also he didn't s- file for salary arbitration because he'd probably lose. Uh, I don't know that he's going to make the money that he thinks he's going to make in salary. If he thought he would, he would have filed. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I don't blame him for wanting to go home, play for your childhood team. Maybe I assume. You got to earn that though. Yeah. You got to earn that I, right. This is not how you do it. This is not how you do it. And it's not like, listen, if you're, if, if we want to have a discussion, a bigger discussion about how it's super weird that at the, what do they call that? What do they call What's the other name for the draft that they were calling it when we were there? Oh God. Uh, the boy auction. They, that's what <laughs> like, many people literally called it. A random team selects you and you have to stay there and you've got to be there for like eight years minimum. And then you got to be like 25 maybe 26 maybe 27 before you actually get to decide your own fate oh it sucks it's uh, listen I'm, I'm i'm in full agreement with that it sucks but it's the system currently yeah, yeah. i don't and like how can winnipeg demand what they want then so let, let's say okay you know what fuck this we just want to move on they don't have any leverage in this situation again like they almost didn't have with Line. A. Like who was picking up when, when the Patrick Line a trade happened? Who was like, man, lining up for Line? A? There wasn't some big auction for him. It was like Winnipeg traded a guy that didn't want to be there for Columbus's guy who didn't want to be in Columbus. Like if we're if we're going by winners and losers here for the Line a Dubois deal, unless Winnipeg gets a real crop for uh Dubois. I'd say Columbus handily won the deal because they still got Line A, mm -hmm. who had a decent little bounce back. And Jack Roslovic's like their first or second center right He's now. He's been great. He has been good. He's been quite good. I, uh, I don't understand what this guy wants. I don't understand what advice he's getting. I don't understand why he thinks this is going to work out for him. And more importantly, Pat Brisson... If he's not the biggest, is one of the biggest agents in the sport. He's one of the why does Pat Brisson think this is going to work? Well, and why is Pat Brisson always involved in this shit? Like, remember he was Pacioretty? involved in the Pacioretty thing. And the Pacioretty fired him. And Pacioretty fired him for, uh, do you remember? Noted agent Alan Walsh. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It yeah. Feel, it feels like he's always involved. I, yeah. Now, maybe that's because. Tavares fired him, too. Brisson? People forget. Like, it's funny. Tavares fired him? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, well, we'd have to go back and look at this. But, you know, people talk about how Tavares is overpaid. He was one of the most criminally underrate, uh, underpaid players in the league for a long time. He, with the Islanders, was making, I think, less than $6 million. <sighs> he signed a sweetheart deal as the former first overall pick. And I believe Brisson was his agent for that. And I remember being like, as that deal evolved, like, geez, this guy should fire his agent because he did a shitty job. And then I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> well, okay. Now, now, where do you go from here? If you're Winnipeg, he's okay. still uh, John Tavares's agent. So maybe. maybe he fired his agent and then went with Brisson. Maybe that's what it was. I don't I, think so. I have no? a question no. about. Are you sure? No. Uh, I have a question. Where do you go from here if you're Winnipeg? And I know we said play hardball. <laughs> the basement. Right. Because this is tough, right? In the context of the Jets, I'm sure Brisson and Pierre-Luc Dubois' camp believe that they've got real, real cards in their quarter because Winnipeg's in a like it's it's sort of uh, in in sort of a weird point because they 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 couldn't get Barry Trotz to mm. agree to it wasn't because of Winnipeg it was just Barry wanted to take the the year off. Um, you know, Shifley was pretty pointed in his comments at the end of the year saying, I want to figure out what's going on here. There was lots of rumors of Blake, about Blake Wheeler potentially moving, although I don't think that's going to happen now. I don't think either of those guys are going to move now. There's not a lot of teams that have the cap space to take them unless there's cap coming back. The Jets weren't particularly great last year. They were good. They were fine. They were fine. They have a former Vesna Trophy winner in net, which, hey, that could put you in the playoffs any day. They were a good fantasy team. So lots of goals, lots of pims. Yep. I and, got Dubois. He was great. Yeah. I right. got him off waivers. He was wonderful. Right. But he had almost 30 But their, goals. their defense is terrible. And um, apparently there have been dressing room issues for years now. Like as interesting as the PLD the trade request is, is how toxic it seems the Winnipeg dressing room is from, from players, from their top stars out. Everybody seems criminally unhappy in that mm. locker room. And I don't know if you guys remember that uh, Paul Wycheck, is that how you say his name is? Oh, his tweet, this tweet that didn't get nearly it. enough attention. <laughs> so uh, Paul tweeted about four months ago, 
In 30 years of journalism, including the better part of a decade covering crime, some of the worst people I have ever met were inside the Winnipeg Jets dressing room. Now, is he- That's a wild <laughs> thing to say. That is, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. And I don't know anything about the reporter. No, me neither. Uh, so I couldn't, you know, if you're a native Winnipegger, maybe you'd be able to tell Writer us. Writer for the uh, Winnipeg uh, Free Press. So that's a pretty serious publication. Mm-hmm. Um, however, pretty serious publications do have knobs working for them. Right. So I don't know if this guy's one of the, you know, every local media has a couple <laughs> local knobs. And I'm not sure if he's the local knob or okay. not. So that's a, it's a, it's a dramatic of a tweet, but it, it, I think there's enough evidence to know that the locker room that's run by Wheeler and Shifley and all those guys is not a good environment for everybody around them and including themselves because they clearly don't want to be there either. And it needs to, it seems like there needs to just be a wholesale change in Winnipeg and they just need to get over with it. And Kevin Sheldon needs to tear it down to the bones and get new players in there. Here's the thing. And we've, we've, uh, I remember there was a time where we used to criticize Kevin Sheldon all the time for doing nothing. And now that we've learned some things over the years, I can confidently say being the GM of the Winnipeg Jets is being an NHL GM on hard. Yeah. It's uh, because, okay, go out there and find a trade. Almost anybody, 95% of the players in the NHL with trade protection ain't coming to Winnipeg. They ain't coming to Canada. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem. Then it's my favorite time of year when people are like, why don't, why doesn't my favorite team sign this guy or that guy or that guy? It might not be that they didn't have interest. It might just be that he didn't go. So your options are to either try something different or stick with guys who don't want to be there and are unhappy. Well, I'm not going to keep trying with the unhappy guys. But it's enough is enough. (laughs) If you tear it down, there's, there's less, there's no guarantee that you'll be able to build it back up. And with the Jets, there's less guarantee. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think with any rebuild, you're going to a situation where you, you don't know if you're going to build it back. And look at the Buffalo Sabres who have been rebuilding for 10 years. But the that's a great example, though, because they've drafted poorly, so that's their fault. But also, they haven't been able to recruit anyone to come to Buffalo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to but, help with that rebuild. And then if you see situations like the like the Jack Eichel trade, for instance, that's yes. where you're getting some assets that are going to build towards your future. Well, And what was the most important thing Kevin Adams did in all that? He acquired a player who wanted to be a Sabre. Right. And you're going to find those players along your rebuild. It's not a complete vast wasteland of nobody will ever play in Winnipeg. Right. If, if, you, if you start a rebuild, you're going to find some guys and eventually things will turn around if you have good management. You have good drafting in particular is where you got to hit because you're going to be at mm-hmm. the bottom. That's where you're going to get the players who are controllable. And then eventually you get the free agent one or two that come and they sign because they see what you're doing and you're building. And it's one of the best... Um, one of the best atmospheres in the whole league, mm-hmm. right? If you want fan support, they're there. Um, not every player, s- strangely, in the NHL wants that. Uh, some, some of them, you almost get the impression they'd prefer nobody was there. Um, but it's a, it's. I think Winnipeg. Um, you know, the weather's tough. There's, there's no way around it. It's like Edmonton. The weather's really tough. Uh, but there are certain players that can handle that. And as if you're the GM, it's your job to find them. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, you know, if, if weather was the only issue, then the Florida Panthers would be a uh, perennial Stanley Cup winner. And they've been perennial shit until recently. They, they, they you, were garbage. Why didn't you name the one that is a perennial Stanley Cup well, winner? Well, Tampa. But they are, but they are well managed. Well, that's what my point is that if, if, okay, Arizona, if you want great weather, Arizona is a great place for you, yet nobody will sign there. And that's because of the atmosphere. And I would say that whatever's going on in the atmosphere that's not weather related uh, in Winnipeg, Somebody needs to have a look at it. Now, uh, I'd love to have Murat Attes on who does um, who follows the, the Jets for the athletic because I think like we need to get a, a closer look at what the heck this is because there's been rumors for years. And Jets fans at the beginning used to push back on us pretty seriously about that. Be like, oh, uh, you know, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. You guys don't know shit about the Jets, whatever. And it's like and then but here's the thing. They keep popping up. It keeps happening. Now, Pierre-Luc Dubois is not the only thing that has come up. Um, and I think that Winnipeg went into the offseason with probably a couple of things on their list to get done. And I have to tell you, 
I don't think they've done any of those things. They wanted to get Barry Trotz. They didn't get him. They probably wanted to figure out Shifley and, and Wheeler. To say that they figured that out is wrong. Um, they probably wanted to get Pierre-Luc Dubois re-signed or at least traded. They haven't done either of those either. Rick Bonus has such a tough job. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be hard, man. And like, who knows? Like maybe, because remember, Dubois didn't sit out in Columbus. No, he just played like he just. No, he just played like shit. Yeah, he they had to trying. sit him. Yeah, they had to he, sit he him. Actively stopped trying on the ice. That clip is one of the wildest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it's Rick, embarrassing. Rick Bonus, you know what? Wait, was that this year? No, it wasn't. Uh, Rick Bonus really has to find a way to avoid that. And I don't know. I don't know how he does it. What do you do? What do you do? I mean, the guys. The guys. Clearly got no fear in just alienating absolutely everyone. So I don't know how you overcome that. How do I you, think, I how think do you, you overcome a, a guy you can't pressure? You got to get rid of the guys. Like I'm at, I'm at the end. With it the does squad. feel stale. You mean you're, you're not just talking about Dubois. I'm talking, talking about, about Dubois and all the, the all the leaders, quote leaders over there. The one, the main leader who doesn't play defense. Both, both of them. Both of them yeah. are among the worst metrically in defense. Like the, what they got is a goalie. Who who's Man. just been steady for six years? The hardest thing to ever get, and they couldn't build a winning team around him. Except for now, their I really thought runs. they would take a step last. Year. I feel. Yeah. I, I really also do. feel bad for um, you know, for Jets fans because guys yeah. like um, Dustin Bufflin retiring early, uh, or retiring on his time, but retiring earlier than people thought, and you know, they had a well, pretty they dicked him around too. They mm-hmm. did they? Well, well with the injury, right? Yeah, something with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something really... Sometimes with certain teams, it does feel stale. Mm -hmm. And this feels stale. And this goes... This isn't like a new thing. I feel like this goes back to when Kane was there. Yep. You know, like this has been something that's kind of been brewing for five years now. But then they got to the final four. Yeah, and then they were so good and winning solves every... Like, who cares? If you're winning, you can have the most toxic dressing room in the entire world. (laughs) Who cares? You're winning. It'll alleviate it. It doesn't matter because the whole thing is to win hockey games. It was the 2018 Stanley Cup final was supposed to be Jets caps. Mm -hmm. And Marc-Andre Fleury fucked it up. Because he's real good. Because he's real, real (laughs) good. Like, I've never seen a team get fucking crushed the way Vegas did and win in five. They won that series in five games, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Just flurry. Flurry, uh, baby. So, listen, when the Jets inevitably make the playoffs because we've had this discussion, you feel, free to, Coyotes. feel free to clip any of this and send it back to us and say, ha, ha, ha. I'm totally good with okay, that. Yes. But, but from a July 18th perspective, things ain't looking great. But you need to send a PDF of all your tweets from July 2022. <laughs> Just so we can reconcile that you knew the Jets were good. Yeah, so we can make sure that okay. you, were, you were also dumb. Things can be true in the moment and then change over time no, as, no. Things, as the things around the situation it. change. You have to stick to it forever. You can never change your mind. <laughs> ever. I, I did like the avalanche fans who when my tweet was going viral after they won they were which like, is i said joe sackick really ought to be fired look <laughs> at this nonsense followed by just the link to their cap friendly page that updates on a daily basis um no like a few of them were like he was pretty shit like when he started he's better. well they were the he's last place now. team in the nhl and it was historic yeah they were last place it was like 30 or 40 points. Like, it was just bad. They were awful. And then, yeah, like I sent that before they traded Matt Duchesne and got Kadri. And li- listen, the job he did after that tweet was fucking legendary. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Hey, you're welcome. He, <laughs> he read it and said, you know what? I'm Joe Sackick and I need to be better. And I bet Chapel Dave's watching this right now going, you know what, Steve? That's just the inspiration I needed. Yeah, send the tweet. Send the tweet. Steve. Send the tweet, Steve. It's like, it's like smacking Hulk Hogan. He's just like, Wagging his finger at, at the camera. You! And he's about to hit you with the big boot. Now, when Pierre-Luc Dubois inevitably ends up in Jets camp, will he have a better or worse picture than Matt Duchesne's last camp with the Avalanche? Better. I think he can fake it better. Yeah? Maybe. Wait, Duchesne could not. He could not. That dude... That, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I still think he's, like, underratedly, like, one of the worst stories from a hockey perspective in the NHL. What do you mean? He grew up cheering for the Colorado Avalanche. Right. They, I remember Matt Duchesne, he's like a stick freak. He's, he's obsessed with sticks. And they asked him about 
all the sticks of the avalanche that he grew up cheering for. And he was able to tell you the exact, you know, stick of Peter Forsberg, the exact stick of uh, Joe Sackick. And then he gets to play for the avalanche. He celebrates, he celebrated harder than Victor Hedman when Hedman was picked second, because he knew that meant he was going to Colorado third. Then he goes to Colorado and Patrick Waugh is his coach. And the team is a bloody nightmare mm-hmm. and they're brutal and they finish third in the NHL and then they're not a nightmare anymore. And then they fuck it up and they lose in the first round. And then he scores a goal and he celebrates because he got a bonus. And then Patrick Waugh, one of the people he grew up cheering for, um, you know, lambast him for, for, you know, what is that? Remember that? Yeah. And then you request a trade to Joe Sackick. You say, Hey, childhood hero, Trade me. I don't want to be with childhood team anymore. And then the deal basically helped rebuild the avalanche in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. And the avalanche win the cup without him and beat him in the process. I think the lesson here is don't request a trade from the Nordiques avalanche organization. Because uh, look yeah. what happened with Lindros. He got them their first cup. Yeah, but that doesn't count because I like him. do you remember when matt duchene scored his 30th goal and patrick waugh that's what yeah that's what you just said that's what you're talking about explain that story i was was looking for the quote no no uh, get the quote get the quote so he scored his 30th goal he got a bonus yeah and it was it was a four nothing game and then after it patrick waugh he goes to the podium and he says the thing i have a i have a bit of a hard time with is his reaction of of Duchesne after he scores. It's a 4-0 goal, big cheer. Are you kidding me? What is that? It's not the reaction that we want from our guys, not at all. That is after a game that they won, that he scored 30 goals, it was 4-0. No, no, he- they lost. Oh, it's a 4-0 for, for, the other for team. them losing. Yes. Oh, and then he celebrated. Yeah, and okay, he was okay, like, okay. yeah, and was like, okay, cool, now it's 4-1. Right, right. Okay, yeah, I had glad bonus. you got your bonus, kid. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, I don't really care if he celebrates that he, you know, he got a bonus. Good for him. Oh, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong. I'm just right. saying, like, imagine it just like, ha- it sucks to have your one of your childhood heroes trash you after you just got a gigantic bonus and scored 30 goals in the NHL. He wanted to go to the Avs so bad. He went. It went terribly. He requested a trade. They won without him and beat him on the way there. Why did Patrick Wall win Coach of the Year? He seems um, to be like a universally not that great coach because he shoved over a stanchion in his first game and then his team performed well and everyone said that's my guy he is like the first coach to ever win the jack adams in october that was our um that was our like first full season as a podcast and i remember having steve simmons on because we disagreed so much that we're like you know what let's have him on and he was very nice but he said like at, at that time it was very like analytics versus eye test he's like yeah. you know the analytics community says the av- will tell you the avalanche are bad but they're you know far and away one of the best teams in the nhl right now and and what was it it they was, finished third and lost in, uh, i think it was to minnesota but what was the old metric where it was like a luck stat it was sort of like PDO. course pdo oh, pdo yeah their pdo was off the charts it was like it was crazy they got saves they got goals and and uh, and yeah, and then they lost in what four, five games in the first round or something like that. I think it was a long series, but they did lose. And and uh, and then the next year they were awful. And I remember, I rem- I just remember that whole situation. It was just, ugh. and 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 Patrick Waugh. First off, he campaigned for the Canadians job, didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Waugh is an interesting guy because you know there's a legendary goalie that nobody wants to work with. He's won the Jack Adams Award. Nobody wants him. Yeah, he's him and the Hunters. They're just some of the best people in the sport. I don't know if he's good or bad. I don't know, but it's just interesting, isn't it? It's it's a little strange that they're that these guys are so good and they're not there. Very odd. Very odd. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, so the Leafs re-signed uh, Pierre Engvall and Woo! signed Callie Yarncroke to a Woo! four-year contract. <laughs> and because it's summer hockey Twitter, everybody got to debate whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. To me, I, I mean, and, and you, you said it actually kind of uh, really, I, I thought it was great in your Victor Mete slash Jordy Ben video, yes. which this is where we're at. We're doing Victor Mete and Jordy Ben videos. And no, I know the numbers are great and I know people are interested. No, no, this is why I just want to bring it up so I can show how sick people are. You're sick. You're all sick. Okay, so the Engvall video went up three hours ago. It's got 14,000 views. I made a video called Cali Yarn Croak is a Maple Leaf. And then I also, there's mention of the tampering mm -hmm. in the title. 120,000 views. You're sick. So when it comes to Victor Mete and Jordy Venn, you were like, you, you, you said, you know, I stopped for a minute and I actually thought, and I thought, no, this is just, uh, this is just depth. This is just depth. It's just depth. Neither of those guys uh, eclipsed 40 games played last year. It's just depth. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's, I remember it's, when Victor Mete was the second coming in Montreal. Oh, I do too. He's, he's a happened? young guy. He's not even 25. Uh, he never scored. They rushed him. I they rushed think. him, okay. Yeah, they, they uh, you know what it was? I think he was like a mid-round pick, mm -hmm. and he did better than people expected, and he made the world juniors, and he just didn't live up to expectations, really. Okay. And then somehow Ottawa was able to get him off waivers, and now it's to the point where he wasn't qualified, and the Leafs were able to get him for league min. Which, you know, is a variable contract. He could play for the Marlies next year. You don't know. Ben and Mete are Leafs now, which means... The Leafs don't get to hide those guys in the minors. They're going to get claimed off waivers. So it's just... Right. <laughs> That's a good point. It's a thousand percent going to happen. <laughs> That's a really if good point. If either of those guys hit waivers... <laughs> They're gone. Even though they were both available for free, yoink! Pierre Engvall, who was long the whipping boy of Leafs Nation, but last year really came into his own. Mm -hmm. The way the season started, he wasn't an everyday player. And now he's a million dollars more than he was last year. And he rightfully year. so, he was, he was very, very good. Very good. He knocked off a lot of his bad habits, became a better defensive player, a better offensive player. He's huge. He became a factor. He became noticeable. He did yes. things. And I, like, I saw a projection for the Leafs yesterday that had Engvall in the fourth line. That's cute. That's cute. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, that's cute that you think the Leafs would sign him to over $2 million to put him on the fourth line. Maybe that's, that's just, cute. maybe they were just being extremely strict about left wing is left wing, right wing is right wing. I think they were, and they had Kerfoot there. Uh, they're over the cap by a million and a half dollars and so, still need to decide Sandine. So, so before we get to that, sure. tell me about, what is Callie Arncrook now? I know it didn't work out in Calgary. It did not. But um, it's funny, we actually talked about him on the show, I think when Calgary got him. Just a ridiculously um, consistent scorer. He's money in the bank for somewhere between 10 and 15 goals. Mm -hmm. Money in the bank for somewhere between like 29 and 35 points. Uh, he's got some speed. <laughs> can do a little bit of work in the middle. He's probably going to be on the wing. I assume it's going to be Engvall Camp Yarn Croak. From, 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 from 1516 onwards, and by the way, 1516 was their run to the finals yes. in Nashville. He had a good uh, year. 31 points. 30, uh, sorry, 30 points. Then next year, 31 points. Then 35. Then 26. Then 34, 28, 26. So you know what you're getting. Yeah, 26 plus four, I think, because he had four when he went he had to four Calgary. four in Calgary. That was a detail that I screwed up in my video. He didn't score, though. People were really upset about that. He he was out there in the playoffs, though. It wasn't like uh, he didn't get a whole bunch of time when they were on their, I guess, mini run that Calgary had, their two-round run. He had a big uh, goal this this playoffs, but like yeah. he was a very useful playoff player. Yeah, like I don't. I the think, team didn't do great. Yeah, the team wasn't all there, but uh, Yarncroke was very useful in the playoffs. They did great until game two of their series against Edmonton, yeah. and even game one no, was halfway iffy. through game one. Yeah, halfway, <laughs> fair enough. Halfway through halfway through game one, I'm like the series <laughs> is going to be over in three because the Oilers are going to just forfeit game four. Right. Um and uh, then Calgary never won another so, game. So why is he of use to the Leafs then? Um, so he can do the middle and the wing, and so he can gonna, play center. Yes, they're going to need a guy who can do that when Kerfoot inevitably leaves. Also, it's just good to have guys who can play the middle. Engvall can play the middle too. 
So right. that shutdown line there will have three guys who can take the face off, assuming that's how it shakes out. Right. So if somebody gets a penalty, Yarncroc, then then Conf can take one, or Conf probably is the is the guy you want taking the face off anyway. Yep. Engvall. Two point one is a reasonable number. Four years is surprising for a thirty year old, but when Dubis was an agent. <laughs> Yarn Croak was one of his clients. Yes, I know. Because I know. Kyle Dubis loves his guys. Oh, does he love them? From the bottom of his heart, he loves them. His stint as an agent wasn't very long. I don't even know who he represented. Well, Kelly well, Yarncroak. one guy. Who played for Brunus, who in my video I called Bruce Saint Marie. <laughs> Bruce Saint Marie. Um, and that's why he's he's a leaf, baby. So so I mean <laughs> Toronto's Toronto's lineup doesn't seem that far from kind of you know where it's going. Yep. But the thing that the thing that obviously needs to happen, James Myrtle wrote an article about it in the Athletic uh, yesterday. Um, Can I just add one thing to Cal Dubas' resume? He was also the agent of Kyle Clifford. <laughs> no way, really? Because yeah. Kyle Dubas loves his guys. Holy shit. Um, as I was saying, James Immortal put the article in The Athletic. We all can see it. A trade has to happen, and it's one of two guys. Or maybe it's both. Justin Hall or Alex Kerfoot. Hall won't be enough. Hall won't be enough. Oh, he won't be enough on the ice either. Well, there's that. I don't really know who... I don't know how that defense is going to shake out. But, sorry, you were well, Hall? Uh, well, Hall... I mean, is it Hall and Kerfoot? And neither get too much. Hall and Kerfoot would be enough. Because here's the thing. Kerfoot scored 51 points last year. As much as people seem to not like the guy, uh, he's been uh, a pretty good penalty killer. He's got great wheels. He scores a pretty good amount of points. He's not... Maybe he's not uh, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Marner level. Mm-hmm. Three and a half million bucks for 51 points is pretty good value in this league. They'd be pretty formidable if they found a way to keep them. And the way they could keep them is... Trading Justin Hall and something else or Jake Muzzin? Jake Muzzin. Well, okay, so I, I have to ask this. And I've been... I have to admit, my bias is squarely on the... And I love the guy. Jake, trade Jake Muzzin train. They are weaker on the right side. They got the strength on the left side, assuming Sandine comes back at a reasonable number which he will it's apparently that contract's only between one and two million dollars so i'm not really sure what they're fighting about sandy pride oh god like both sides they gotta that's, stop this that's I, what these rfa negotiations are usually about mm-hmm. just pride the cap space also isn't there right now agreed that they're too. literally agreed. over the cap agreed. they can't sign it but <laughs> but you know i, I love jake muzzin but there's a lot of hard miles on that body there's teams that would take them yeah. You probably could get something back minimally, but the most important thing you'd get back is the cap space. I'm not ah, I'm not jacked about losing him for nothing. That's a tough one. That's a if oh boy. I don't know what to do there. I don't know what to do. And it's funny this whole notion of running it back. I I think if you trade Jake Muzzin, you look extremely different, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? They already do. They already do. They're not they running it back. I mean, they yeah. ran it back last season. Last season was the run it back season. Uh, yes. Well, yes, it was. No, they moved on from Freddie Anderson. Oh, like, never mind. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there you go. They haven't really run it back. They've always had to tinker and bring in these new guys, and like, uh, especially on the outside edges. You know, the the core six, I guess five now have stayed the same, but everybody else is just swapping and, in and out. And honestly, I wouldn't include Freddie in the core even in his last season. He was a non-factor. Well, with the injury, who's screwing it up? Who's screwing it up? Joe Sackick and the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> are wrecking everyone's summer. Why is that? Because they are very obviously looking for a trade to get the room to re-sign Nazem Kadri. I I think that's where he's signing. I don't see him signing anywhere else. And until those two figure out what they're doing, treating the Avalanche and Kadri as separate parties, we can't get on with our summer. You think the Jake Muzzin deal is being held up by Nazem Kadri? Well, I don't not think they're, they're, they're not dealing Jake Muzzin. We've already been told that. Who? People have, people have said that. They're not dealing. There's Myrtle has reported it. I think CJ talked about it on the CJ show. Oh, interesting. Muzzin staying. Because when we did the staying or going, he didn't give a concrete answer on Muzzin, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. 
Interesting. I might have saved that in a note on my phone because someone uh, tweeted it at me recently. They were keeping track and CJ has not missed. Who do you trade from the abs, by the way, Jesse and Steve? Is it is it Eric Johnson? Eric Johnson. Who's taking six million bucks of Eric Johnson so you can sign Kadri? Right. It's you're sending like a first round pick. You know, with uh, at least they have that. Philly, they don't, they don't have, have enough like money that. spent on the right side. <laughs> They don't. They don't have but any like, cap space. Back to the Muzzin situation. So you, Adam, don't think he's getting moved? I don't think he's getting moved, and 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 I I think he should. I think that they've got to they've got to. <sighs> His value is likely going to go down after this year. Yes, and I also like. So first off, this is a team that was built for an accelerating cap, which never happened. Right. So yeah. this team was built before the pandemic and it was built so that the cap would go up and we were supposed to be at something like 90 million bucks right now that's not going to happen until 2025 it's easily the most important factor when talking about this team's story and no one ever brings it up right but that would be that's nuance <laughs> it's just easier to say fuck uh, they them, they're lost. bad fire dubas fuck them okay so you've got all right so now you but you have to deal with in the new world and the new world is there's a flat cap yeah. and the way you built this team doesn't apply to the new world right mm -hmm. and 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 then you look at the core four and if you suggest that trading one of them uh uh might be the new the new play people will lose their effing minds with you because then you're automatically in the william melander sucks he's never been good trade him what a terrible value contract which is not what i'm suggesting but i feel like and i understand why they're doing what they're doing and i think they had a great year last year i get it but I'm still looking at this team and going, you built this for another reality that no longer exists. Right. And they're all so good, though. They are. Yeah. I don't even mind the Tavares. Everybody seems to have a problem with this Tavares contract. You even look at Dom Lecision's model. Okay, so Tavares makes $11 million. By Dom's model, he's like a $9.5 to a $9.7 million player. I still think he has a better season this for coming sure. year than last year. And I, I wonder when they move him to the wing and if he's not more effective there as well. Well, and, you know, so I sort of thought about that, and Yarncroke isn't that. Like, no, imagine Tavares, Yarncroke. Could Nylander be? Nylander? <sighs> At what point do we officially declare that ship sailed? My answer know. is two years ago. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just saying, like, there's got to be, if you are going to keep those four, and, you, and you've given Morgan Riley the raise, and he's, you know, he's here forever, and that's great. What else? I'm looking at a 33-year-old defenseman who has hard miles, who makes $5.625 million for two more years. Yeah. But, like, is Sandine ready to take that on? I think we forget that Giordano is here. Isn't he here for two more years? Yes. 800 grand each year. Oh, man. Man. So you've got Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Timothy Lilligren, Mark Giordano, Rasmus Sandine, and Justin Hall or someone else. Can Gio play the right? I think he played both, but yeah, he's a left defenseman. But he's a left shot, excuse me, that plays the right. Right. Like TJ Brody. I don't know. I don't know. And same with Mete and Ben. If, if you were looking for perfect, it's a salary cap. You're never going to get that. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm having, usually you're able to picture what it's all going to look like. I have no idea what the Leafs are going to look like next year. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. If they trade Kerfoot for a pick, I think that makes things simpler. I don't know if it's going to shake out that way. I don't know. I can't wait for Dubas to just yard sale our entire show by making a deal. <laughs> as soon as we post thirty. Yeah. I mean, oh, Jesse, are you keeping it the way that it is and trading Kerfoot or, and or Hall? Or are you looking at a bigger move like Muzzin? So you think keeping it the same way is trading Kerfoot or Hall? You, you have to move salary out one way or the other. So it's easier to move out Hall or, or um, Kerfoot because they're on expiring contracts at the end of the year, right? They're UFA next year. So that's why I'm bringing them up specifically. Myrtle mentioned them, the Athletic. They seem to be the names that are bandied about the most. Would you guys ever move uh, Sandine? I would. What does he get you? I don't want to. I don't know. I don't know. The, I mean, he's prime. Um, offer sheet guy mm -hmm. prime and no one's done it and no one's done it well because like you could offer him four mil it wouldn't even be that much return and the leafs 
have to just go, okay, well, thanks for the picks. Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they're screwed. They they don't have anything to do. Ah. Uh, but like, if you if you trade him for a pick, you're not getting better. Like I I look at so comparing the Connor Brown deal to Washington and potential Kerfoot deal. If you get a second round pick for Kerfoot, you get the cap you get the cap space, and also when the trade deadline comes around, you can move that second for something mm-hmm. of quality that helps your lineup. So that can make some sense. And then you're also getting Matthew Nyes. And all of a sudden, it's a little easier to picture the Leafs at the trade deadline than it is in September. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm going to continue to blame it on Joe Sackett because it bugs Drew. I'm, uh, it bugs me. Well, and like there's two, like a guy like Paul Stastny, a guy like Nino Nina Ryder. They should have teams. They don't have teams. Why don't they have teams? Because right. everyone's waiting to see what happens here. Even, it's not because people don't value them. Even like uh, Klingberg. Like Klingberg. Why doesn't does John Klingberg have a team? Because it's come down to Dallas and Detroit. And I think Detroit wants to know what's going to happen with Kadri too. If they're going to get Kadri or not. See, they were rumored to be in on him, but then they got cop. So I feel like that doesn't work anymore. Yeah, what's going on? Like, is Dallas in on Kadri? Is that what I'm extrapolating here? It's just, it, there were so many deals that were outstanding when every all the TV shows kind of signed off on uh, last Wednesday. Goudreau and, wasn't even signed. And none of them, except for the Goudreau one, have really been solved. Well, we're, we're still done. sitting here, like, four days, five days later, and we still have all the, of these questions. Guys, we're the only ones still standing. We're still doing this. Everybody else has already taken off. What are we doing here? Um, the, yeah, no more 32 thoughts. You're going to get it from us. <laughs> and I'll be like, I spoke to no one. <laughs> Here's my guess though. Here's my guess. <laughs> it was fun at hockey on Wednesday. I got to break the Gaudreau signing. Mm. Yeah. Everyone was like, what? Columbus. But why? Is it this year? The Oshawa hockey? This is, uh, my adult like learn to play scrimmage. I, I scored a goal last week. I didn't know it was back so up. Proud. Uh, there's the winter session and the summer session. Right. I've missed almost all of the summer session ones. I was about to say, I've, I haven't heard you play at all. Well, because, uh, so I did a four hour stream and then went, oh, wow. I couldn't go when I was in Montreal. Uh, there were playoff streams. They played a lot of Wednesdays, mm. but I'm back on the ice and kicking ass. Great player. <laughs> Unreal skater. I'm so fucking bad. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm less bad than I was. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. So anyway, the Leafs. Uh, What? Yeah, I'm I'm better. Sign me. I don't know, man. I I know that's not a compelling answer. It seems like the simple one. (sighs) See, even if you just move Kerfoot for two, Mm -hmm. uh, for a second, sorry, that gives you two mil. What if you can't convince Sandine to sign that? Because I think they know what Sandine's number is too. Can they give it to him? I, I think they don't want to. I think whatever his number is is different from their number. If you have time, use it. But I'm not convinced you have time here. And like Dubois is such a ridiculous wrench in all this. Like mm-hmm. as we're, we're talking about all these chess pieces that need to fall. It's kind of a massive one. No. What if Montreal is tr- uh, clearing space for Kadri? Like I always said they were <laughs> when, they, when they were in the Stanley Cup final and it looked like a thing that might actually happen. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's an interesting thought. And I, I just I'm, I'm curious to see how this looks come fall, because like five days out, I'm feeling a lot better about the goaltending. Yeah, I and liked- it's not it's not because uh, it's not because I think they're going to be world beaters. I don't. Um, but the goaltending doesn't include Michael Hutchinson, which I'm happy about. Vegas. Uh, these goalies have been good before. Um, and I'm, I'm quite confident that if neither of them work out, there's going to be some major changes to the team anyway. Uh, right. Cause the, the worst is when something doesn't work out again and again and again, and then nothing happens. Right. But I think, I think we're looking at right now, if they don't get to the second round, uh, I think that board at MLSC is going to have some serious questions about what's going on from not just Dubas, but above. One thing I really liked hearing about the new tandem is Frege. I think it was on his last edition of 32 thoughts for the season said, uh, Ilya Samsonov 
uh, liked Toronto's offer because he saw the goaltending situation and said, I can, I can win the job there. Oh, I like yeah. that kind and, of competitive. And Cal yeah. Dubas spoke to that as well during his press conference where he says, this is a guy who's going to come in and he's going to challenge for the number one job. And it's a competition between the two of them to see who's number one. Well, like even if Murray's healthy, I don't think it makes sense for him to play much more than 50% of the games. Dude played 20 games last year. I think his career high off the top of my head is 56. Like he's never played 60 games. He's not a 70 well, game goal. He's not Vasilevsky. You that's know? his career high. And I'm pretty sure that only happened like once. Right. Yeah. And it was, I don't know, four years ago. Well, because it was, I want to say it was uh, Flurry, Flurry, a really young Tristan Jari, and then an emergent Tristan Jari who sort of took some of the net from him and injuries and all that what do you what do you got career high is oh i even overestimated uh 50 games in 1819 how, how many times has he played above 40 uh the two seasons previous to that 17 18 and 16 17 both 49 games so he essentially went 50 50 50 for three straight years and then after that it's 38 27 20 part of me wonders too with the market if there are any conversations happening between the Blackhawks and other teams with Taze and Kane, Pat Brisson's clients. Also Brisson clients. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's the potential here for there to be like a second free agent frenzy. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like there's too much that needs to happen still. Yeah. There's way too much. And just please do it before August. <laughs> that's all i ask listen that's you fair. can take your time and you can build drama and play coy and all that warning for the next part of the podcast there are discussions about sexual abuse and it may not be suitable for all audiences now uh yesterday we announced uh we're well, not announced we released uh, an episode a special episode with rick westhead regarding the hockey canada situation as it stands um you know and obviously rick is constantly working on this story so there have been some updates over the weekend uh, to catch you up quickly, they're like the agent or s- some lawyers basically for the players came out and said, well, Hockey Canada bungled this. And and if, and then, of course, you know, through the whole uh, this is consensual thing out there, which is, you know, what lawyers are going to do. Um, of course. Of course. Um, and so the the next sort of thing is people are starting to decipher what's going on here. Well, so yesterday there was actually this, uh, you might've been asleep when this broke. Might've been. Might've um, been. but basically <laughs> Rick, uh, issued a clarification from the player's legal counsel because the player's legal counsel said hockey Canada knew the identities of the players for four years, which is a lofty accusation. And then yesterday the lawyer essentially said, uh, never mind. How do you fuck that up? How do you make that mistake? They knew for four years and then it was, we're not actually sure if they knew for four years. There is mass confusion here. The players legal counsel are making enormous mistakes. And that was one of them. The, uh, the, uh, leadership at hockey Canada was so unprepared to speak to parliament that parliament was upset about it. And they're forcing them to come back and speak again. And they're going to continue to call witnesses for as long as it is. Jesse has it up on the screen. Or was mm-hmm. that the correct tweet? C- can Keep you read going. it? Oh, the, uh, the, the one from yesterday? Yes. Uh, about the lawyers representing? I, yes. I can read it. Yeah. It's a long thread. Here we go. Uh, lawyers representing seven members of Canada's 2018 World Juniors team are criticizing Hockey Canada's handling of the settlement of a sexual assault lawsuit, saying players cooperated with a police investigation in 2018 and weren't notified of the litigation. The lawyers say their clients, who had not been publicly identified, deny wrongdoing and allege that any sexual contact between the female plaintiff and the players was consensual, the Globe reports. The lawyers have outlined their concerns in a 10-page letter to Hockey Canada. Each of the players who was asked by police to give a statement or interview did so, the lawyers said, adding the plaintiff did as well. Players also gave police videos and text message recordings or exchanged around that time of the incident. The lead detective for London Police wrote in an email in February 2019 that he did not have reasonable grounds to believe a sexual assault had taken place, lawyers told The Globe. Once the London Police investigation was complete, lawyers said their clients were willing to cooperate 
with a Hockey Canada investigation led by the law firm Heinen Hutchison, but were not asked to sit for an interview or provide a statement, lawyers told the Globe. Heinen Hutchison told the Globe that 10 players cooperated with their investigation in 2018, two declined to participate, and seven declined pending the completion of the police investigation. Um, and that's and then there's some context. So the clarification says uh, Lou Strazos, a lawyer for former CHL players accused of a 2018 sexual assault, uh, says he does not know whether Hockey Canada officials have ever been aware of the identities of the players, contrary to what he wrote on July 13th, 2022, uh, in a July 13th, 2022 letter to Hockey Canada. Like that's that's an enormous clarification. Enormous clarification. It's just how we've we've already asked this, but how are they unsure? How, how do on they? Earth how are, are you unsure? How are you flip flopping on whether you know or not for months now? And how, how did this all know? start? Or what? One of the ways this started was uh, we heard about the investigation. Then a statement was released where they mentioned they're all CHL players. Accidentally, they mentioned that. Accidentally, and we're not stupid. We looked at the team and we went, all right, so it's not that guy, that guy, or that guy. And then they went, oops, oh, shoot. And then the NHL releases a statement saying they were all world junior players because remember there was some doubt about whether or not they were all on the world junior team. Okay, so they're all CHL players, they're all world junior players, and we're just playing flip, 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 flip. Um, What's that game? Guess who? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I never owned it. I just saw the commercials. I wanted to highlight someone else's work um, because Rick Westhead is obviously doing an amazing job. Uh, the Globe and Mail, I apologize. If Robin Doolittle. No? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was uh, Chris Freeze and someone else at the Globe. I'm sorry. Uh, Katie Strang. But uh, Ken Campbell, mm -hmm. I wanted to highlight um, because I, I've been getting these updates and I realize not everyone is probably. Because I'm subscribed to his website. I think it's Substack, right? I think it's a Substack. It's called Hockey Unfiltered. You were thinking about uh, Colin Freeze and Joe Friesen. There it is. Colin Freeze. From uh, the Globe. Yeah. Joe Friesen. Okay. Was, I was Joe Friesen. I thought you meant, because uh, Rick went, mentioned uh, Robin Doolittle last show. Yes, he right? did. So yeah, my yeah, apologies yeah. on that. No, but um, those are the two reporting for the Globe on Hockey Canada. There you go. So Ken, I wanted to highlight something from Ken's work. And like, I'm not going to be one of those people who just screenshots friggin' an entire athletic article and then throws it on Twitter for free. Um, but so Connor Timmons issued a statement. Uh, Connor Timmons was on the 2018 world junior team. Um, we're basically saying, listen, I had nothing to do with this. So Timmons joined Victor Mete, Kale McCarr, Dante Fabro, Jonah Gadjevich, and Cal foot as players from that team who have gone on the public record claiming their innocence. We already know that Mete Jordan Cairo and Kale Clegg were not at the event. And since it alleged only players uh, playing in the Canadian Hockey League, that rules out former U.S. college players Kale McCarr, Dante Fabro, and Colton Point. According to the statement of claim in the since-settled lawsuit, two of the players involved in the alleged gang rape were born in 1999 and the other six were born in 1998. The picture is becoming a little more clear with each development. Ken has done fantastic work on this. And I don't know if you're paying attention, but I basically, today I went through the roster. Like, I'm not going to play this game, but there's like, there's... The names are coming there's in. There's eight accused and 13 potential names left. So by the time we sit here at the end of the summer, we're going to have all the names. It could be up by like tonight. Right. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to highlight that, um, pay for journalism, hockey unfiltered, Ken Campbell. If you're interested in this story, he's covering it every day. Yep. There you go. Um, so with that, I mean, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, I, like I, you know, it sucks. I, and that's, you know, I listened back to yesterday's episode and I thought, man, this sucks. I don't, I don't want this to be this way. And I think Rick said it perfectly is like this isn't going away but there are measures you can take to prevent this from happening he said it because rick said it'll never not happen there are always predators right but if we continue down this road it will happen far more bravo by the way 
Like on what? The the moment near the end of the show where basically you figured out the timeline of uh there was no settlement, then Rick uh discovers the lawsuit and all of a sudden there very quickly is a settlement like neither of us picked up on that well i don't think i I think it's one of those things where i just now having dated a lawyer i know how long lawsuits take and i just thought it was weird that the lawsuit was settled into four weeks that never happens it's rather timeline. uh somebody said it perfectly in the comments rick westhead must live in their nightmares Um, grim reaper and yeah yeah so anyway we'll, we'll we'll obviously continue to follow rick and katie and uh, everybody else who's who's on this story, um, that's real journalism, guys. It's the real thing. Um, and Rick said it perfectly. I thought it was hilarious. He's like, I don't know enough about hockey to report on the game. Like, <laughs> he's like, this is what I know. And uh, and that was, I thought that was a very interesting and, and funny Coming comment. from a guy who was on Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. Rick, Rick you're very smart. Yeah. Like, you, I are, think, you know about the game. I think, I think Rick's being humble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah, Rick, I only deal in facts, and you were on Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, that's right. So that's, that's I think you know a thing or two about hockey. <laughs> Let's do the press conference. The SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. Well, well, what have we? Uh, by the way, for that um, Rick Wedstead episode we released yesterday, there's also a uh, transcription of the episode. Yes. You can find it in the uh, description of the episode there. Um, we don't do that very often, but for these special episodes, uh, our wonderful community manager, Robert Malloy, steps up to the plate and provides transcriptions uh, for uh, episodes. So thank you for doing that. Uh, first question, not a question, but I guess a shout out to Steve and coconut oil. This comes from <laughs> Why? Sean Jack. What? My theater company just opened a show in BC, a show that I'm in. And I've unfortunately just had, uh, a bout with COVID. My voice was completely shot before opening night. And I was really worried about having mm. enough voice left to perform. And then a little Steve Dangle voice popped into my head. Reminding me to put coconut oil in my tea. Did the trick magnificently. Still had no voice by the end of the show, but it gave me just enough voice to nail opening night and the and the then take some rest the next day to recuperate. Lifesaver, thanks, Steve. Now this comes from a couple months back when Adam was very sick mm-hmm. and uh, his voice was shot. And you also were, uh, your voice was shot come playoff time because of all the streams and the podcast. Both of you had voice troubles. And you swore by coconut oil. And now look, it has directly affected the listeners of this podcast who now use coconut oil for their voice. Coconut oil in your tea or coffee. I prefer coffee. Uh, Especially if you're able to blend it with like a magic bullet or something and get it to foam, get it to froth a little bit. I'm telling you. It doubles as um, it'll coat your throat and also um, fix chapped lips. Coconut oil. There's nothing it can't do. There it is. There it is. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. I, you know, my voice is not fully recovered from that yet, so I'm still, still struggling, but it's coming. Have you had any coconut oil? No, I haven't. I should, should get some. I guess. Idiot. That's what you, you deserve. Dummy. A borderline, you deserve it. Yeah. Comrade has a trivia question for us on our Discord. Only one player in NHL history has won the Lady Bing and the Conn Smythe in the same season. Can you name the player? Yeri Lettinen. I don't actually... You said that really calm. Yeah. No, he was a Selkie that, guy. He was a Selkie guy. Is that the correct answer? No, it's it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I just really liked him, and nobody, nobody else knew who he was. But when he was on Dallas, I thought he was great. He was a Selkie guy. Uh, Lady Bing. Nick and... Lidstrom? Incorrect. Damn. You each get... No. Like an actual Three guess. guesses. Okay. No, not each three guesses. That's too many guesses. You get one more and I get one more. Okay, fine. That's it. Um, Brad Richards. That's- <laughs> Is that it? That's the correct answer. Oh, Why was that so town. comical, Adam? Get out of Is there something really? comical about Steve's guess? That is really? completely correct. That was, that was the one I was going to go with and then I was like, no, like Nick Littstrom. No way. Now, would yeah. that be the Tampa 2004 cup? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Damn, I would have thought it would have gone to St. Louis or something like that. But I guess we're oh, Brad Richards, baby. Wow. He rode that forever. <laughs> playoff points, 26. Wow. He, he was unreal. Yeah. And uh, 12 PIMS in the regular season. Wow. That's it. Damn. Yeah, well done. Two fights and a hooking. 
Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it was. Go ahead. Sorry, I want to know most fighting majors for a lady big winner. Anyway. Uh, Sportsnet stats, I'm sure. Lifelong Mariners fan uh, has figured out why Dylan Strom uh, has not signed with the will not sign with the Leafs ever. Uh, from Dylan Strom's dog's Instagram, mm-hmm. someone commented, your dad is going to be a future Leaf. And then the dog replied, no, we can't because just food for dogs doesn't ship to Canada. So uh, the dog oh. can't get its dog food in Canada. So Dylan Strom will not play for the Leafs. What's the name of the dog? <laughs> uh, the Golden Stroms. I don't know the name of the two dogs. The two dogs have an Instagram account. Okay, well... They have a sponsor, I think. To Dylan Strom's dogs, (laughs) your dad's rich. (laughs) Everything ships to Canada when your dad's rich. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, There's also a new season of The Bachelorette, our Discord points out from (laughs) Nugget. Uh, If we want to do Bachelor bios, they are available. Can we do that next episode? I would really like to do that. Yeah, if there's uh, there's time. Do the full bot. Because listen, we're getting into the summer episodes here. And unless Nazem Kadri gets moved or figures out where he's signing or whatever it is, I, I don't know what we're, I don't know what's going to happen, guys. It's fucking happening. You it's, think it's going to happen? It's happening. When's it happening? This week? I think, I think, you know what? The second Elliot Friedman steps foot on a dock, that's when the Nazem Kadri trade or signing breaks. Elliot Friedman takes a little, dips his little toesy in the water mm-hmm. somewhere in Muskogee. Colorado Avalanche should sign Nazem Kadri right. to an eight-year deal. Okay. Boom. Seven. Can't do eight either anymore. Oh. He's unrestricted now. They missed their eight-year opportunity. Fucker. Yeah, I know. I know. Does Joe Sackick deserve to be fired? Check out the link to this cat-friendly page. He really ought to be fired. <laughs> Joe Sackick. Uh. I really did kill Krillin with that tweet you did and he just his hair went blonde and he never fucking looked back (laughs) man that was rough man that was rough I've had better the Steve Dangle podcast powered by Sports Interaction Canada's Sportsbook follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake connection complete